Please join me for the prayer of illumination found in your bulletin. Lord, open our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Lesson from the New Testament, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Which teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All of our children to come forward for our blessing of the backpacks. Children of any age, students of any age are welcome to come and have their backpacks blessed with us. If you'll come on up to the front, we'll do that up here. Oh, it's so good to see all of you here with us this morning. I love seeing all your backpacks. Okay, come on up and have a seat. Scoot up a little bit so we can make room for all our friends coming in. All right. Okay. Welcome. So today we want to pray for everybody who is preparing for a new school year. Some of you have already started school. Some of you may still be getting ready. Um, but we're so excited for you. Getting, going back to school sometimes has lots of big feelings, right? And some people may be excited. Some people may be happy or nervous. Some people might be scared. Some people might be like, ugh, school. And that's okay. It's okay to feel lots of big emotions around um, going back to school. And you might even feel several of them at the same time. But you know what? God always goes with us. God goes with us wherever we are, and God can hold our feelings no matter what they are. So we're going to give you a backpack tag today. And it says, it's a symbol of Weston's love for you and our prayers for you. This year, they say, you matter. Because you do. You matter to us and to God. Your presence matters, your feelings matter, your thoughts matter, All you matter, and we're so excited for you. You are loved by this congregation, but most especially, you are loved by God. So we're going to offer a blessing for students of all ages, for our elementary, preschool, middle school, high school, college students who might be out here with us, as well as our teachers, administrators, staff, and parents, because we know you went back to school too. Um, who all have different roles to play in our back-to-school season. So let's pray together. Will you join me? God of fresh starts and new beginnings, we bring ourselves and our feelings before you. The world around us keeps changing, and so do things in our schools. In all the changes, in all the uncertainty, God, you are our friend. You comfort us and hold us close and wipe our tears. You whisper to us words of encouragement, words of praise. You celebrate our joys with us, and you are present with us when we are anxious or afraid. 
We carry many things with us to school in our backpacks. Blank pages, sharpened pencils, crayons, books, and more. We also carry in our, much in our hearts, our feelings, our unanswered questions, our hopeful expectations. There are endless possibilities of what this new year might bring, of what we might learn, who we might meet, who we might become. God, you are our friend who is always with us through it all. Be with us as we ride the bus, as we walk, as we get to school, however we get there. Bless our journey into something new. For the grown-ups going back to school, God who is with us, be with them too. We give thanks for teachers, administrators, staff, leaders, parents, caregivers, in our schools, in our church community, and on our college campuses. Comfort them, hold them close, bless their journeys. May they know your love and care and the support of this congregation. God, our friend who's full of wonder, fill their hearts and bless their hands. Bless us all this year, God. Amen. All right. Pastor Will and I are going to hand out a backpack tag so you can get a backpack. Just take a handful and you can put it on your backpack. And then after you get your tag, three, four, and five-year-olds can follow Pastor Stacy and, Ma- and Miss Molly out to Children's Church, okay? All right. And there when you get to your, where you're going, okay? I don't want to put it on now. Okay. Good morning. It's a joy to be with, uh, surrounded by these children to celebrate Penelope's baptism, to be blessed by the music. Uh, it's an honor to be here at West End. Uh, I thank God for Carol's ministry, amen, uh, as your pastor for her spiritual leadership. Uh, and it's just good to be in worship, worshiping God this morning. Uh, I wanted to uh, make a note of something that has always been important to me and relates to West End, and that is that for many years I served a church in the center of the city of Charlotte, Providence, and two of the persons who were integral to the life of that church were uh, Russ and Ruth Monfort. Uh, and many of you, some of you will remember the Monforts and and. Russ, who was the pastor of this church, for a significant season in his life. And uh, in their retirement, they came to Charlotte, to Providence, uh, and they were two of the teachers of a group of about 25 adults with Down syndrome. Uh, I have a brother with Down syndrome. And I want you to know that uh, they were there every Sunday, Uh, persons with... uh, with, with that gift, uh, need uh, regularity and consistency. Uh, and Russ and Ruth were in retirement. Uh, I was just always impressed that they didn't, like many of us, travel all around the world. They committed themselves to this community, and uh, they loved this church. Uh, and this was the this was the season in his ministry that meant the most to him, and uh, they were grateful for you uh, for this space. And I think about Russ uh, standing in this pulpit. I'm also, um, I give thanks that you're reading the scriptures this year. 
that you're taking a, a year to read through the Bible. Uh, and today we focus on the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew marks a turning point. It is the first book in the New Testament. Matthew is not the earliest gospel that was written, but it is the gospel that has the strongest connection with what we call the Old Testament. Ten times in the Gospel of Matthew, we read, this was to fulfill the scripture. And there are 61 passages from the Old Testament that are quoted uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew's big idea was that Jesus comes to be the new Moses. Jesus comes to be the rabbi, the teacher of a new way of life. And he gathers people around him. We call them disciples, students, apprentices. That's the big idea of the Gospel of Matthew, to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, what does that mean for us? Our mission statement as United Methodist is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, an echo of Matthew 28, for the transformation of the world, which means that this isn't just for us. It's not just for me and my own relationship with God and how I feel and think. That is to, it's to make the world a different place, a better place. That's the, that's the ultimate outcome of all of this. So where do we begin to, to get a grasp on what this means? Well, I thought I would focus more closely on the great commandments of Jesus in Matthew 22, beginning with verse 34. The greatest commandment. Jesus is asked, Rabbi, teacher, what are the greatest commandments among all of the laws? What are the greatest? Now, I'm a sports fan. I love baseball. I love Duke basketball. My first year at Duke was Coach K's first year. Uh, and I can remember being in a laundromat where I was doing my laundry, and as close as we are, he was doing his laundry. I don't think that happens anymore. Uh, <laughs> But I'm a big sports fan. And in, in sports, like talk radio, they have this thing called GOAT, the greatest of all time. Who is the greatest of all time? Is the greatest basketball player Michael Jordan or LeBron James or Bill Russell? I go back that far. Who's the greatest? Well, Jesus has asked that question. What are the greatest commandments in the law? Give me the executive summary. Jesus says very simply, love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. On this, Jesus said, hangs all of the law and the prophets. Think about structures in this building upon which lesser structures hang and suspend. It's not just that these commandments are the most important. Everything hinges on them. Everything uh, is possible because of these first 
commandments. Love God, love your neighbor, love yourself. Now, this was a very important teaching for John Wesley, one of the founders of the Methodist movement. In sermon after sermon, John Wesley talked about our purpose as followers of Jesus. And, and we kind of had a methodical way of doing this. And so they were, began to be called Methodists. We, did, we didn't just leave it up to chance. You probably, many of you in your work, you've got a plan for the coming week. You're not just sort of leaving it all up to chance. You kind of got a method of the way you go about it. Well, that was, that was Wesley. That was the Methodist. They kind of had a method and a purpose, but the ultimate purpose was that we become holy people. It was that we become a holiness movement. But I want to very quickly say that can be greatly misunderstood. In sermon after sermon, John Wesley speaks of holiness as perfection as being made perfect in love in this life. That's our goal. And so holiness is not separation from unholy people. It's not that I'm holy up here in this pul pulpit and you're unholy, or everyone on the stage is holy and you're unholy, or everyone in this building is holy, everybody out there is unholy. That's not what holiness is. Holiness, in sermon after sermon, in writing after writing, John Wesley says, holiness is love of God and love of neighbor. He does this in the plain account of Christian perfection, in scriptural Christianity, and the almost Christian. Over and over again, he ultimately gets back to these greatest commandments of Jesus. To be holy is to love God and to love my neighbor. And it doesn't mean that I've arrived at this. It means that's the journey I'm on. And I hope today I'm, I'm, I love God more than I did a year ago. And I hope a year from now I love God more than I do now. And the same thing is true with my neighbor. Holiness is not separation. It's not exclusion. Holiness is becoming more loving and I'll get to a little bit more of what that means in a moment. So very simply, in a few minutes, how does this relate to the rest of the Gospel of Matthew? If you were going to read it, the Gospel, I hope you will. If you were going to read the Gospel of Matthew, what directions could you take with this? And I just chose three. Preachers always choose three, right? The first one is our spirituality. What does this mean for our spirituality? And I would encourage you to read Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Again, Jesus is the new Moses. In Exodus, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and gives them the law. But in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus goes up on a mountain, maybe in the Galilee, and he gives them the, the Sermon on the Mount. And, and the, within that, the Beatitudes. 
And the big idea in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus says we come from a tradition of law. God is moving us toward being a tradition of love. Again and again in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, You have heard it said by Moses, but I say to you, you've heard it said, don't murder, but I say don't be angry. Now one time I heard someone give a a lecture on language, and the person who was giving the lecture said, whenever you hear someone use the word in a sentence, but you can disregard everything that came before it. Focus on what's coming next. So my wife, who's going to be here at 11, if she says, Ken, you've been helping out a lot around the house lately, but I don't need to bask in the glow of helping out what I've been doing. I need to pay attention to what's coming next. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, again and again, Jesus says, you've heard it said, But I say to you, pay attention. And and the transition Jesus wants us to make is not to become obsessed with the external law, but to focus on the inner intention. I also heard, heard it said somewhere along the way, Law is easy. Love is hard. I can be hateful and observe the law, right? It's much more difficult to love. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says to me, love your your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. He's calling us to a deeper place. I've, I've had the benefit of, of studying along the way with Ronald Heifetz and Martin Linsky of the Harvard Business School, and, and they have this concept of the balcony, how leaders, executives need to get out of the dance and into the balcony to get a different perspective. And I thought about that concept of the balcony. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. For busy people, if if we could just take a few minutes every day, every week, and read something like the Sermon on the Mount and get a balcony perspective on what is really going on. And the Sermon on the Mount speaks to me about why I am so judgmental or about why I am so anxious. It speaks to us about how to pray the Lord's prayers in the Sermon on the Mount. It speaks to us about how how wonderful it is to give without needing to get credit for giving. Just to give for the sake of giving and to know that God sees it. And maybe that's enough. There is a spirituality in the Sermon on the Mount. And it was so important 
Matthew 5 through 7 to John Wesley that he had 44 standard sermons that he wanted the preachers to preach. And 13 of them were from the Sermon on the Mount. He was saying, this is the core. Spirituality. A second direction for us is, is citizenship. And I wanted to just say a word about citizenship. There is a passage also in Matthew, also in Matthew 22, beginning with verse 15, about, about uh, rent, should I pay taxes? And Jesus says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, to God the things that are God's. And how important it is right now for followers of Jesus to take their citizenship seriously. Now, I'm not talking about right now about partisan politics. And, and this is just relevant to discipleship. Many of us are discipled by several hours a day of cable news. Amen? Our culture is discipled by hours a week of cable news. So I can preach here for 15 or 20 minutes about discipleship in the way of Jesus Christ. I knew this when I was a pastor. And we would all go home, and there would be hours of being discipled in something different. It, it's, it's not a novel idea for me to say that we live in a very divided, very polarized nation. The first time in my lifetime when we had a violent transition of power at the national level. People died. That had never happened in my lifetime until recently. So what does it mean for followers of Jesus to live in this culture and try to be disciples of Jesus? So Jesus lived in the Roman Empire, pretty massive government. And someone came up to him and showed him this coin and said, should I, if I'm going to follow you, should I pay taxes? How should I be a citizen? And here's the simple idea I want to reflect on with you about that encounter. Jesus says, whose image is on the coin? The person says, well, Caesar's image. Jesus says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, to God the things that are God. Pope Francis, uh, in reflecting on this encounter with Jesus, talks about the image on the coin and the image of God in every person. That's what's really important. That's what Jesus was saying. Every person you and I will ever meet has been created in the image of God. That's what your sign means to love unconditionally. That's the, that's the way of being a disciple for me that's underneath that sign. Amen? That every person is created in the image of God. And in our denomination, I've been a voice for saying, why have we singled out 
one group of people, LGBTQ persons, for discrimination. These persons are created in the image of God. They have sacred worth. That's what it means. And that's what equality means for a disciple of Jesus. It's not necessarily a person's favorite cable news network as much as a person might love that. It is that every person is created in God's image and nature, and that is love. Uh, and that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in a polarized nation and world. It is to try to see beyond that, to try to build bridges, to try to be a voice for grace and justice. And, and Matthew's gospel always says, for me, Ken Carter, to be honest about how, how I am a part of the problem and to examine my own motives and to try to get root out whatever is getting in the way of that. But to be a citizen is important. And it's right there in the Gospel of Matthew. And then the third direction is evangelism. And this is really important in the Gospel of Matthew. Now I'm going to say something and I would ask you not to quote me, okay? <laughs> Some churches have a terrible message, but they say it really well. And some churches have a profoundly wonderful message, and they don't share it. Does that make sense? We have a wonderful message, and that is that God loves us and that we love God in response, our Creator. And that we love our neighbor because our neighbors are a reflection of who God is. And at our best, our neighbors love us. And that we love ourselves. You are, a, you are created in God's image. Nothing you've done in this life removes that image, it's, it's there, that connection with God. That's, that's the message we have. By being around Jesus, by listening to His parables, just like the first disciples did. And so at the end of Matthew's Gospel 28, we have what's called the Great Commission, that description of it didn't come along for several hundred years, but it's the way Matthew ends. And it, and it says, go and make disciples in the English of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, and then the promise, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. Uh, go. The literal Greek translation is something like, as you are going about, it's really the way it reads, 
The word make is not in the Greek. We're not making anything like making a cake, making a dress by sewing it. It's just disciple people. Be a disciple. As you live your life, be a disciple. Baptize them, teach them in this way, and I'm with you always. And that's the importance of passing on this faith to next generations, this vibrant children's ministry. That's the importance of just the way we live our lives beyond the walls of our churches and how people at our best see Jesus in us. Uh, and that is what it means to spread, Wesley said, scriptural holiness. It is to help the world become a more loving place. It is to help people experience God's love. That's what it's about. Uh, and that's who we are as Methodist Christians, as people on a journey to holiness. And the journey is both personal and social. It's about how we love God, and it's about how we love each other. Two or three years ago, I heard uh, a teaching by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who was the chief rabbi of Great Britain. He died uh, toward the end of the pandemic, uh, but a, a wonderful voice for interfaith relationships. And he was reflecting on the story of Noah, Noah who built the ark. And he was talking about holiness and righteousness. What does it mean to be holy and righteous? And, and he began to say, he said, in talking about Noah, he said, the rabbis, the ancient rabbis had a, had a word for Noah. They called Noah a righteous man in a fur coat. A righteous man in a fur coat. He said, what did that mean? He said, well, he said, here's what it means. He says, on a cold night, there are two ways to stay warm. He said, one way is you can wear a fur coat. He said, if you wear a fur coat, you warm yourself. But he said, there's another way. He said, on a cold night, you can also build a fire. He said, if you build a fire, you warm yourself and you warm others. That, friends, is our spirituality, our citizenship, our evangelism. It is about how we grow in love with God. But more than that, it is about how we share the love of God with others. It is the cross and the flame. It is how God is blessing us and how we are a blessing for others. Amen.